It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. I'm Stacy Tresenkos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson. Thanks for joining us today on this Feast of St. Matthew, Apostle and Evangelist, September 21st. Uh, We're going to jump right into the scripture reading for today with our scripture scholar, Stacey Farquharson. (laughs) And she's going to start us off with a prayer. And after, we're going to tie the scripture into a Pew Research report that came out modeling the future of religion in America. Um, how the the percentage of Christian Christianity, the percentage of the population that are Christian is is predicted to decline by 2070 to be in the minority. So I want to dive into that, but we're diving into that prediction. It's just a, a prediction of the future. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It just means given certain parameters, it might happen how we do a better job of evangelizing. Like that's a really broad topic and we want to know your opinions and your ideas, but that's one thing that's also at the core of what Stacy and I talk about, how to love, how to show mercy, how to lead people to Christ in a real way. Not, Not just talking theology, not just hammering down the rules, but actually helping people who are so lost in this world, full of confusion about marriage, confusion about relationships, confusion about how to deal with trauma, confusion about the transgender issues and drug addiction and and all this terrible stuff that happens. How do we lead people to Christ? Because that's the only thing that really matters in life. That is what we're supposed to do every day. So we really want to push hard into that today um, and tell you our thoughts and um, also invite you to email us or contact us on Facebook if you have some thoughts. Yes, so how about yes. that scripture? Okay. All right. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's, let's start with prayer. Okay. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for your, for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for grace. Once again, Lord, we ask that you open the eyes of our understanding that we would comprehend the scriptures that you would give us fresh eyes to see you and ears to hear. Thank you, Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay. And real quick, as I do each day, I encourage you to grab the scriptures, grab your Bible and spend some time with the Lord today. All right. So today's reading, we're going to focus on the gospel reading for today. And it is in Matthew. It's in chapter nine. I'm going to read it through real quick. As Jesus passed by, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the customs post, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. While he was at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat with Jesus and his disciples. The Pharisees saw this and said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? He heard this and said, those who are well do not need a physician, but the sick do. Go and learn the meaning of the words, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay. 
this entire reading from the Gospel of Matthew is very powerful, and it was so speaking to me today. And I think it, it was because of all the things that we've been talking about, and mm-hmm. what our what our what Stacy just said, and what our where our heart is on this. Um, but Jesus was doing something that was obviously frowned upon, and you know when we think about it. He did that several times in the scriptures. Even meeting with the woman at the well was something that was against Jewish custom. But over and over, Jesus saw the person that was standing in front of him more valuable than the customs or the laws or the rules or even sins. And the Pharisees here, which were the most prominent religious group, even political group at the time, They question why Jesus would be eating with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus overhearing them, he says, go and learn the meaning of these words. Now, that right there jumped out at me because these are the Pharisees. They think they know everything. I mean, they're his knees. I mean, I wonder how they respond. What's he saying? Go and learn something. We already know everything. (laughs) (laughs) Who is this Jesus guy? (laughs) I would love to have seen the look on their faces. Go and learn the meaning of this. But he says, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. And it just made me think that maybe he was saying to them, look, guys, I'm where I'm supposed to be. These people are the ones I came here for. Because in Luke, it says the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Us, them. Mm-hmm. So I love what he was saying here. And I also think a lot of times I think that, you know, when I'm reading the scriptures, you know, Jesus, God knows the end from the beginning, right? So he knew one day they're going to have this book and it's going to be called a Bible and they're going to call it the Holy Scriptures. And so he knew what would be in this book. I wonder if the things that he was saying, which I'm sure are for our benefit too, not just for theirs, but for our benefits. Mm-hmm. Think about that when you're reading the scriptures. Um, there is a scripture in Hosea 6, chapter 6, verse 6. And it says, God is saying, for steadfast love rather than sacrifice is what pleases me and knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. He says, steadfast love rather than sacrifice is what pleases me. Mm -hmm. And a few verses before that, he talks about how their love is like the dew that quickly evaporates. And I'm thinking, why would anyone want that kind of love? You know, Mm -hmm. no one wants fair weathered friends or a love that just comes and goes. I mean, is that even true love? God wants dedicated commitment, unwavering, true, steadfast, consistent love. And it reminded me of John 13. It says uh, in verses 34 and 35, it says, I give you a new commandment, love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you should also love one another. Love like he loves. I mean, that's what he's saying. As I have loved you, you should Mm -hmm. love each other. I mean, it's not a love as long as they make you happy or love as long as they act like you want them to or do what you want. It's not a, I'm going to love you as long as you make me feel good about myself, you know, Mm -hmm. And and praise God that, that, he doesn't love that way, that his love doesn't evaporate quickly. If it was all based on how I treated him, I'd be in a lot of trouble. I mean, yesterday we talked about how nothing can separate us from the love of God and that God has a steadfast, true love for us, unchanging, unwavering love for us. That scripture goes on to say, um, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's how they're going to know that we are followers of Christ, that we love God 
because we're showing his love to one another. Mm -hmm. He wants us to have steadfast love for him and for each other. And he wants us to have mercy. It says, I desire mercy. Um, there's a couple of scriptures here that I wanted to just point out that are um, about mercy. Like Matthew 5 says, Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they will, will receive mercy. I need mercy. <laughs> so therefore, I feel like I need to be merciful because I need mercy. I want mercy. You reap what you sow, right? In James 2, it tells us that mercy triumphs over judgment. That's kind of what we've been saying all along. I mean, you know, that mercy triumphs over judgment. Luke 6, 36 says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. And we see this time and time again throughout mm -hmm. history, throughout scripture and our own lives. If we look back across, you know, back in the, uh, our, our lives, I'm sure we can see the God's mercy in our lives. Um, Titus 3, 5 says, not because of our righteousness, but because of his mercy are we saved. Praise God for his mercy. Um, we need to get to know him and love one another. And people will know that we are his disciples if we do this. One, one more quick thing. And I want to be quicker today, but one more quick thing. Um, when it says mercy versus sacrifice, uh, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. It, sacrifice is more of an outward reflection, more of an outward action. Um, you know, people can usually see if you're making a sacrifice. Um, you give something up or, um, you know, back in the day it was burnt offerings. But I mean, mm -hmm. it's an outward action. Mm -hmm. And mercy and true love, they come from the heart. That's an inward and true expression of what God looks at. So we look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Yeah. Um, my outward appearances can be deceiving. I mean, I mean, just just as simple as if I'm having a bad day and I'm I'm upset, I'm scared. I've got all these emotions going on. I can put a happy face on. You don't know what my true feelings are. You don't know what's going on in my heart because my out, outward expression may be a big smile. You know, I can I can look holy on the outside. I mm -hmm. mean, I can speak all kinds of Christianese and you won't know. But on the inside, I could be carrying sins and, and being very judgmental. So it, God does look at our hearts. And I think that has to do with why he's saying mercy over sacrifice. That's just something I was thinking. I don't know. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I mean, Jose used to tell me in the first years of our marriage, love is born of sacrifice. And I'm like, you, you love, because I, I mean, I'll be honest, like love is one of those words people struggle with actually pinning down what it means. I mean, we, I, yeah. I have that phrase from the church, love is willing the good of the other. And that, mm -hmm. that is, then you have to talk about what is the good of the other, but you can get all philosophical on that. Like I'm learning how to do, but, um, but I, when, I, when Jose told me that he, he, you know, he, love is born of sacrifice. I was kind of offended. I'm like, well, thank you very much. I'm so glad you're so happy to be married to me. <laughs> because I don't want to hear that it's a sacrifice to be married to me. I don't want to hear that your love is a sacrifice. And I went and got the scripture and I'm like, see, Jesus desires mercy, not sacrifice. So yes, yes. But we, we got those words be. all confused. <laughs> Yeah, but it but it can be and it, it can be that, you know, you're having to like if I'm having a bad day, 
I'm, yeah. that doesn't give me the right to be mean to Pat because I'm having a bad day. Exactly. So I may have to sacrifice my emotion, what I'm feeling yeah. mm-hmm. and, and be nice to him in spite of the way I'm feeling or if I'm upset about something, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I mean, the church does have, a, you know, the corporal works of mercy where we feed the hungry, shelter the homeless, yeah. clothe yeah. the naked, things like that. Those are outward things that we can be doing. Um, one, one other thing, I, and I guess, you know, all what I've been saying, all of this is, you know, God's more concerned with the heart and, and we yeah. can't judge a book by its cover, I guess. Right. right. Um, God even talks or in the Bible, it even talks about whitewashed tombs. Um, you know, again, be all pretty looking on the outside, but what's on the inside. Yeah. And um, I think the reason or one of the reasons that God is so concerned with our heart is because out of it flow the issues of life. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it tells us to guard our hearts because out of it flow the wellsprings or the issues of life, depending on your translation. And then there's another scripture in Matthew um, that talks about how out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm -hmm. So I've always said, if you want to know what someone's thinking or what they're going through, if you just stop and listen, eventually it's going to come out. Yeah. But I, I think that God is so concerned with our hearts because it also says that the pure of heart will see God. And it's so his will that we should all come to know him. And, you know, that's why Jesus came to this earth to seek and to save those that are lost. And it's his will that none should perish, but that all should come to know him. So he, he is concerned with our hearts. And in Micah 6, 8, one, one last scripture, and then I'm stopping. (laughs) Micah 6, 8, it says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly and mm-hmm. to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? As we are called today in the scripture to talk, to think more deeply about what mercy is and how we can show mercy and that God desires mercy. Um, I, I think Catholic, I think it would be good for Catholics to have at least Catholics in the U.S., the ones that we interact with, to have a talk or have a deeper consideration about what that means showing mercy. Because I don't know, like in the philosophy classes I'm taking, we're, we're, we're talking about justice right now. And we're reading um, Plato's um, Republic, um, where Socrates is, and his friends are discussing what does justice mean? And they, it's, you know, it's way before that it's, it's the fifth century BC. So it's before the time of Christ and they don't have the divine revelation, but they're trying to figure out what does justice mean? And it pulls in words like sacrifice and mercy. And, and how do you figure out what one person owes another person? Or how do you figure out what a person owes his society? And it, it's hard to pin down the meaning of those words. Um, and, uh, and what Jose meant when he was talking about mercy and sacrifice, uh, that love is born of sacrifice, he was talking about it in the context of us having five babies in four years wow. Wow. and and how we ourselves were sacrificing, but we were building love. And that's what he meant. He wasn't saying um, love is born of sacrifice. I love you, Stacy, because I'm sacrificing so much to be around you, which is the way I took it. No. <laughs> that's a lot of kids of four years. Stacy, you had your hands. <laughs> it was, it was, like, was five, wait, it was four kids in five years. I think I said oh, four kids in five years. Okay. But it was like, boom, 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 boom. And, and I, and you know, cause that, that's how, that's how I'm like, God said be open to life. So whatever yeah. babies I can have. And thanks be to God, I got, I was able to get pregnant that many times. I'm very thankful for it now, but but it, it has been a lot of work understanding 
mercy. And I think this ties in, and I think we do need to talk about it more. I think we need to figure out what that means because we just had that big discussion about will you attend the wedding if it's an invalid or an illicit or however they're talking, defining it. If it's not a, a, a marriage perfectly by the prescriptions of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. um, will you even attend? And and it got into all this mercy and are you showing love? And well, you're not showing love if you attend because you're you're standing, you're celebrating something sinful and that's not love because you're not telling them the truth. And then, well, you do need to tell them the truth, but you need to do it in a loving way. So maybe you go. I mean, whether you go or not, that we can't say. There's times definitely I, I would not go. And there's times that I would go. But that's just an that's emblematic of a lot of other issues. Right. You know, there are times there have been times when when I knew one of my children was using drugs and making bad lifestyle choices and like seriously could die. And, mm-hmm. and, and I couldn't have a conversation with that child on the phone because all I wanted to do was cry, scream and yell and preach the truth and and get my duct tape out. Yeah. And and, you know, and I wasn't able to show mercy. And I learned I learned that what that child needed was a relationship and to talk. And so I had to learn to calm down and, and show mercy and like, you know, this isn't going to help. Like, so it, it can mean a lot of things showing mercy. Well, the, the, the article then today, back to that, sorry, I just get all excited about that word because I just think there's so much to mind there. Mm -hmm. You're right. The Pew Research Center, I love them. They do good work. Their statistics are solid. They have good methods. They tell you what they do. They tell you the limitations. Their article from September 13th was modeling the future of religion in America. And guys, Christians, it's pretty dismal. <sighs> um, they they ran four scenarios. The U.S. nuns, the N-O-N-E nuns, not <laughs> the N-U-N-S. <laughs> I thought that too. Stacey and I both thought they were talking about like the nuns and habits. Yeah. They're yeah. they're going away. Why are they getting like, stronger? Why are, like, <laughs> why are the nuns doing that? <laughs> <laughs> it's the N-O-N-E nuns that are nothing. And that that's what I was before I converted. I was nothing. I wasn't, I didn't even care enough to be atheist. I just wasn't anything. But it says mm-hmm. the US nuns will approach majority by 2070 mm-hmm. if recent switching trends continue. So what does that mean? If recent switching trends continue? Well, so we all know that statistics cannot predict, they can't tell you what's going to happen in the future. What you do is you model what's already happened. And if you've modeled it well, you can extend those models, extrapolate, predict out into the future and get some idea if this continues in this way, or if this other thing happens, here's what might happen by 2070. And so the Pew Research Center is very careful to say, you know, a whole revival could occur and change this this right. direction completely. Um, there could be a major disaster or something, you know, like COVID was. But if they continue, so if what trend continues, if the trend of people between the ages of 15 and 29, so young adults under 30, if those people continue switching And switching means leaving Christianity. So not just Catholicism, but all of Christianity. If 15 to 29-year-olds continue leaving Christianity at the rates they're leaving now, by 2070, um, there will be 
a minority of Christians and the majority will just be the nuns. And then there's also a percentage of other religions, but that's pretty small in the United States. Hmm. And that, and the, and so they're just putting that out there to think about. They run four different scenarios, just so you know. They they run a scenario where the switching stops now, and even if the switching stops now, just with people aging and growing and being born and the population moving forward, even if no other Christian left right now between the age of fifteen and and thirty and twenty nine. Still, by 2070, Christianity is like only 52%. It barely holds the majority, even if it all stopped now. If it goes without limit, if it ramps up, it's it's really dismal. And, and they say like their middle prediction is the one that's more reasonable, that um, they're steady switching, switching at the same rate we see now. And that's the one that says... Um, in each new movement into and out of Christianity remains stable at recent observed rates. That is, in each new generation, 31% of Christians become religiously unaffiliated before they turn 30, and 21% of unaffiliated people become Christian. So they are taking into account people becoming Christian. Mm. Um, that was one, that was a middle scenario. And there was another middle scenario that wasn't based on steady switching, but rising disaffiliation, but with some limits. So let me read that real quick. In each new generation, a growing share of Christians switch out before they turn 30, while a shrinking share of nuns switch in. But the switching rate is capped, limited, to prevent the share of Christians who leave the faith from rising above 50%. So they mm -hmm. ran their scenarios in those ways. And you can look that up. It's from September 13th. But, mm -hmm. but I think what this means for us is we got to really look at how we evangelize the young people. It, it's, it's in my family. I see it. Um, the last thing I'll say, Stacy, and I'll give you a chance to talk. I'm getting all fired up here. I no, got to pull it back in. My my daughter, um, who's who's 16, she goes to she goes to a, a non-denominational church on Wednesday nights to hear the word of God. And at first, I was like, "Man, do you have to do that? Like, why can't you go to the?" can't you go to the Catholic church? She's like, well, there isn't anything for youth on Wednesday nights at the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, can you like, can we do read a Bible or something? And she's, she's mm -hmm. like, mom, I enjoy going. She's like, it's helping mm -hmm. me with my faith. So she's mm -hmm. going to a non-denominational youth group in our, in our um, hideaway where we live in hideaway Lake. And it's got tons of teenagers there they have a youth minister lady. It's a, it's a woman who cares about these kids and she reads the Bible with them. She watches movies with them that are poignant commentary on our times. And she has discussions with them, very Socratic method, like talking to them about what does this mean? What does this mean? What do you think your purpose in life is? And she prays with them and she does all the things that she does are in line with Catholic teaching. It's just that as a non-denominational evangelical church, they invite all the kids, they feed them pizza, they let them play basketball, 
They pray with them. They watch movies and they talk about the issues that matter to them. They build relationships. And my daughter told me she, she kind of had a fever a few weeks ago. And I said, you know, you don't have to go to mass on Sunday morning if you're if you got a fever. Like maybe you should you sh- even shouldn't go because you could get somebody sick. And there is a dispensation for that. It's, it's allowed. And she's, she looked at me and she's like, Mom, because I'm going to this thing on Wednesday nights, it's really got me thinking about my faith. And I'd feel bad if I didn't go to Mass. So even though I've got fever, I want to go and I'm going to stand in the back away from anybody else. But I just want to be there. And mm, I was just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just, I'm like, okay, yeah. yeah. And, and so that's what we did. That's awesome. I mean, you know, my kids are in that age bracket that you were uh, referring to. And, you know, it's very eye opening to see that uh, that switching and, and the decline. And, you know, my daughter, Stacy, goes to a non-denominational church on Wednesday nights as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, there's a lot of teenagers there. Um, there's a, they build relationships. They but they they study the Bible. They it's I can see a change in her since she's been going. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I think has is helping her is that connection and, yeah. and that relation, those relationships that she's building. And she looks forward to Wednesday nights. It's it's something that she wants to do. And we have, you know, kind of rearranged our schedule a little bit to accommodate that for her because that is important to her. And I think I see her faith growing. I see our relationship becoming stronger mm-hmm. and better. Um, there's so many benefits. I mean, I think the benefits outweigh the good outweighs the bad there. So I'm supportive of that. I, I'm supportive of her going on Wednesday nights because I, I know that, you know, we're having conversations that we were not having um, before she started going. Yeah. It, it's wonderful. And, and I, you know, so you that are so Stacy and I are talking, but we're also talking to you who's listening. Be be examining ways that that we can connect. We, we all got to get our head in this game of evangelization because we're losing people. I don't want to live in a country. I don't want my grandkids to live. I probably won't be here in 2070, but I don't want my grandkids to live in a country that's predominantly not any kind of religion. Like what what happens to the laws? What happens to the sense of justice in the society when yeah. that when that happens it, it could go bad and i want to read something from an encyclical that pope john paul ii um saint john paul ii wrote in 19 i think it was 1995 in evangelium vitae so it, it is on the gospel of life the good news of life and it's quoted a lot in bioethics but this encyclical is also about evangelizing And he says, evangelization is an all-embracing, progressive activity through which the church participates in the prophetic, priestly, and royal mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. But So that sounds like theology, but it's all-embracing, progressive activity. Like we're supposed to be reaching out, all-embracing the people in the world around us and showing them mercy, like you were saying, Stacy, and progressive activity. So progressive activity, that, that means we move forward. We think of new ways. We don't compromise on the truth and we don't break, you know, we don't disobey the church, but we have to find new ways to connect with people. We have to be willing to see where they are. And guys, 
the kids today, they're not growing up in our generation. They're not growing up. The, the drugs they talk about are even different than the drugs we yeah. heard about when we were teenagers. Like mm -hmm. it's, they're, they got yeah. the internet, they've got anime, they've got so many yeah. wa ways of living that we never had to deal with. It is a different world for them. And we've got to, we've got to, you know, we got to, see we got to understand what they're going through like i don't know if we all need to get instagram accounts or not but we, we well, need to understand what's going on with them well you know what we can't call them on a rotary phone <laughs> <laughs> we just can't do it i mean things have changed whether we wanted listen to for the dial tone <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, my, my daughter wouldn't even know how to use a rotary dial phone. Uh -uh. no i no. mean it, who was it that said preach the gospel and when necessary use words yeah I mean, I can't remember who said that, but that just came to me while you were talking. I mean, it is about um, preaching the gospel to them. And and sometimes we do it in actions. You know, actions speak louder than words. But we uh, we have to reach them in any way that we can. And we may have to step outside of our little boxes and get creative. Mm -hmm. And we can always go to the creator, God, and ask him. How can we, how can I reach my daughter? How can I reach my son? How can I reach this neighbor or, or whoever the Lord puts on our heart? Hit our knees, pray and ask God to give us creative ideas to step outside the box to reach them. And, you know, I, I know that some people think that when I say let's hit our knees and pray that that is just a, <laughs> you know, it's Christianese. It's not, it's not. I mean, there's so many times prayer changes so many things and God will talk to you while you're praying. And it, it could change the course of history. It could change the course mm -hmm. of your child's life if you are on your knees praying. And so I, I just don't want us to, to not mention that let's pray, let's pray for the next generation and our grandkids and our great grandkids and just, uh, you know, be willing to step out when God tells us to. And when he gives us those creative ideas, let's be willing to step out. Yeah. A priest gave me a prayer called the breastplate breastplate of St. Patrick. And it's a mm -hmm. very strong prayer where you're, you name your child by name and you um, are, are, are begging for protection from demons for those childs. And, and I've, I've prayed that for my children by name and, you know, just to give you all a little hope and, and I don't, I don't want to put any pressure on my children. Like we always have to be careful what we say, but, but I, I have a child that I've prayed for, for years who called me yesterday and said, I think I'm going to go back to mass. And, you know, like, it's just, and that, that was one of them. I specifically sat down. I, no, I've, I didn't just once pray. I've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed in many different ways. But I see, I see it working in, in my children. Like my children are not the children. They're like, okay, mom, I'm going to do everything you say. And I'm going to do everything the church says that you taught me. And I'm going to be just this perfect little Catholic. And I'm going to just make you so happy and so proud. My kids make me proud and happy. But they don't do everything I tell them to do. And and I like that, you know, honestly, I like that they're bold like that. And your kids seem like that too, Stacey. They're they're going to test things. They're going to try things. They're going to figure things out for themselves. They're going to know something for themselves. They're not just going to even take mom's word for it. They're mm -hmm. going to figure out life. And, and the great thing I see happening with my children as they get older, yeah, they ran out in the world and did some dumb things. 
So did I so did when I. I was their age. Mm -hmm. They did some dumb things. But what they're doing now is they call me when they need to talk about like serious stuff. They call me when they mm -hmm. want to tell me good news. They, they're coming around. And I, I like that it's that way because I was telling Stacy on the phone yesterday something that happened and I was worried about one of my kids did. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so worried about this. And Stacy goes, what, what did you say? You go, well, <laughs> well that child is going to have a beautiful testimony <laughs> one day. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's, that is a great way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's your will. Because you're so positive. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, and, just like we said, was he, I think it was yesterday we said what the enemy means for evil, God will bring good out of it. He will. And and I do see it happening. And and the, I guess one of the last things we want to say, because we need to wrap up, the um, the teen camp we did this week, this year, this summer, um, we yeah. put on a, a big teen leadership, East Texas pro-life teen leadership camp. And the idea was to mm -hmm. have um, teenagers come. It wasn't an overnight camp. They came from nine in the morning till nine at night, 12 hours a day in the middle of July. They came to the Catholic high school in Tyler and we hit them with the truth about life issues. Yeah. So not just abortion, but yeah. transgenderism, same sex attraction, um, marriage, dating. We hit them with the truth, contraception. We hit them hard with the truth, but we also had an excellent camp leader, Angelina um, Estrada, who's at the St. Philip Institute. And she made it fun. She built a relationship with those kids and she was leading them. And I, I saw the two work together. So you can teach the truth and you can do fun things and build relationship. And those kids, you know, Stacey, you saw them. They came back every day. I'm like, the, I'm like they're not going to get up and come at nine o'clock on every morning during the summer. But it did it did work. And it was it was an experiment. We didn't know if it was going to how well it was going to go. We had yeah. 80 teens there and it, it, it was, was a beautiful great. week. It was great. Yeah. And a lot of times it starts a, a camp like that will start out strong and then it'll peter out, you know, yeah. and then you have less and less throughout the week. But that did not happen. They did keep coming back. Yeah. And that told me that they are hungry and they mm -hmm. want that connection. They want that, that those relationships they want. They're hungry for the truth. I mean, these kids were like, like I've said before, they were little sponges and they were just absorbing it and they had fun and they were learning. And I just think it was, it was an amazing camp. Y'all did such a great job. And I'm looking forward to it next year. There, there was something very good happening there. So if you are feeling despair, I mean, one of the reasons Stacy and I are doing this podcast too, is because we, we are going through so much with our kids and it kind of seems like some of the families in Catholic media are just perfect. And, and I, you know, and then I'm, I'm sometimes I'm like, Oh boy, <laughs> I better not. I better, somebody's going to come up to me at this teen leadership camp and say, who are you to be having a teen leadership camp? Look at all the things your kids are doing. And, and you know, I was ready for that. I'm like, you know what? It takes a lot of faith to keep doing that when you've yeah. got things going on with your kids. It takes a lot of faith to keep doing something like this because I believe in what we're doing. Yes. And I believe my kids are smart enough and kind enough and loving enough to know that and and they have been shown mercy enough that that they're going to they're going to seek the truth that you know I'm trying to pray them to heaven and yeah. and whether whatever decisions they make they do know this that I'm here for them and I'll I'll listen to them and I'll love them and even if they have to go through several months where they don't like me they don't want to talk to me um 
they always come back. So, yeah. um, so you do a great job of keeping the lines of communication open with your, your kids and keeping that door open where they know they can come to you, that you are a safe place for them. And I think that's yeah, so, so do you. So do you. You've taught me a lot of it. Like I, I wasn't a very merciful, kind person, but you've really helped soften some of my edges. Um, <laughs> And to laugh, you hear us <laughs> laughing, like we laugh about things. And and it's it's good to have a friend to laugh with about these things too, as we try to slog it through in this veil wow. of tears yes. um, and, and get to heaven and get our kids to heaven. So mm-hmm. um encourage you to go read that article, um, how, how the U.S., uh, what, is, what is the title of it again? I keep forgetting, Modeling the Future of Religion in America. Um, if recent trends in religious switching continue, Christians could make up less than half of the U.S. population within a few decades. Um, take a look yeah. at that, read it, but read it with a merciful and kind heart and ask questions about what we can do. Always we should be asking this. What can we do to evangelize better in our day and age? I'm Stacy Farquharson. And I'm Stacy Trasenkos. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information. <laughs>